0: We're listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Do you like fruit? Is it September? If so, try pawpaws. If not, you're, you're out of luck. Pawpaws, the obscure fruit that is only ripe for about two weeks in late summer. Everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Rootbound. I'm your host, Steve. And hey, we haven't done any vocabulary for a little while, so let's do that. I was looking at Wikipedia today because I was checking out the plant that you're going to hear about in a few minutes from our guest, and there was a word on that Wikipedia page that I've seen on the Wikipedia page for many, many plants, and it's a word that I assumed I knew the definition of but it turns out that I didn't have it quite fully there. And that word is inflorescence. Now I just assumed that inflorescence was just a fancy word for flower, but it turns out it's a little bit more complicated than that. Inflorescence refers to the entire flowering part of a plant. So from where the stem leaves the main part of the plant and turns into the flower, all those pieces that are attached to the flower is the inflorescence. The flower is just a part of that. So that's what inflorescence means. There's many different kinds of inflorescences. You think about all the different plants out there and how they present their flowers and how those flowers are attached to the rest of the plant. There's a tons of different kinds, and all those kinds have words. And I, I don't know all those names yet. I saw a list. It's quite complicated. But just to give a little sneak peek, the plant we're going to talk about with our guest today is a raceme. You can Google that. I actually don't know the full definition of that. Maybe I'll get into that in another episode. But just to give a few examples of some prominent inflorescences, now remember all flowering plants have inflorescence, but some of them are more showy than others. You know, you think about, like, I have a peach tree, and the way that those flowers are attached to the tree are kind of like... That that doesn't really stand out. The the flowers stand out, but the inflorescence, the whole way they attach to the tree is not very like notable in my opinion. But there's some other ones that are. So one that first came to mind when I read the word and was like, oh, I get inflorescence now, is elderberry. And if you look up elderberry flowers, you'll see that they show in this kind of circular disc of white flowers, then there's actually many, many, many flowers in the inflorescence. So the a stem comes off of the main plant and it splits into these like hundreds of little tiny flowers in this circular disc and that whole thing is the inflorescence. Another uh, notable example of an inflorescence comes from the episode when we were talking with my friend Christina about agave a few episodes back and the agave sends up this huge shoot where all the flowers come off the sides of it but that entire shoot is the inflorescence. So hopefully that gives you a little better idea of what the word means. It's not just a fancy word for flower, it has more meaning than that. And that's, I think, I think all these botanical terms uh, are like that. They have a little, they have more nuance than I think we uh, assume sometimes, or at least I assume. So that's inflorescence, and let's go ahead and meet our guest. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Thank you, thank you for joining me on this episode.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Um, so just for the audience, if you remember the last episode when we talked with Ryan, we're actually still at the same location, Rachel was secretly at the table the whole time, and Ryan is still here, uh, where we just finished a meal of Chinese food, and we're talking about plants, and uh, Rachel, do you have a plant to share with us today?
1: I'm going to talk about the hyacinth.
0: That's awesome. I literally know zero about the hyacinth, and so I'm, I'm excited to learn about it with you. I, what does it look like again? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, let me describe it. Okay,
1: <laughs> so I'll, I'll uh, show you this one. Okay, yeah, good. It's a background of my phone. Oh, wow. So it's oh, this wow. purple oh. flower right here. It yeah, comes yeah, in yeah, lots yeah. of other colors like white or pink or uh, blue.
0: Okay. Um, I, I remember now, I it's one of the plants that the name never sticks in my brain, but I have them popping up in my yard each year, and they kind of look like asparagus when they pop up, when yeah. they first pop up.
1: Yeah, so they are a spring perennial. So they do um, pop up every year in people's gardens. Um, So I guess one of the reasons why I like it so much is that it comes up in the early, not super early, but like early spring around April, and um, they smell fantastic. Mm. And when I used to go on walks with my mom, either when I was little I was in the stroller with her, or then when I was older I was like riding my bike while she walked around the neighborhood. And in early spring, if we saw them in someone's garden or like, you know, by the sidewalk, we would stop and smell them. And like, oh, there's signs of spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a spring baby, so I really like spring. And it's my favorite season. And the hyacinths blooming are always a sign that it's springtime.
0: Well, that's, that's very lovely. What part of the country were you in when you were seeing these hyacinths as a kid?
1: Uh, in South Jersey. Okay, but cool. they, uh, I live in Annapolis now, and they're here, too. They're all over the world.
0: Yeah, they're cool. So I do know um, where they originate.
1: They did. I looked it up. Um, the Eastern Mediterranean.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Very interesting. And, and then, like
1: Turkey and all that part of the world.
0: I also noticed in your background picture, you notice there's daffodils in the background. Are they yes. really they come up at the same time. They right?
1: They do. Yes.
0: Same kind of cool little spring flowers.
1: Yes. And a lot of, um, I guess, houses I walk by, they plant them near each other.
0: That's cool. Um, I, I think you, you might have just mentioned this, or maybe we mentioned before we recorded that it is your favorite flower. It
1: is my favorite flower.
0: And is that just linking back to your uh, memories, or is there some other things about it that makes it your favorite flower?
1: Well, I think they're pretty, and they come in different colors. And if I could bottle up the smell of it, like it should be a perfume. I don't know why you can't buy like hyacinth-smelling like body spray slash perfume.
0: Sounds like there's a market for it. You know, I can't think of the smell. One, one thing, I have a pretty poor sense of smell, but even then, I don't know. But next year, because I have some in my yard, I'm going to, like, focus and smell them. Like. Yeah, like, getting
1: get close, get a deep, a deep sniff.
0: <laughs> 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 Hashtag deep sniff. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's better than a deep snort. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, do you, do you have some uh, fun facts and dazzling details about the hyacinth? I do. I
1: look them up. So, as we've talked about, um, they're a spring-blooming perennial. Um, I learned that the hyacinth bulbs are poisonous. So, oh. when you plant them, don't eat it and don't let your pets eat it. Good to know. This is, I don't the bulbs are the most poisonous part, but I'm not sure if the um, like the leaves or the flowers are as poisonous. But the bulbs are definitely toxic for your pets.
0: Good to know. I won't, Good to I won't, know. I won't have any, so don't yeah. have
1: your dog digging them up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have a dog. But I For anyone listening. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and they don't go outside, but yeah, I don't dog, yeah. And I won't I won't make any um, any uh, hyacinth uh, au gratin or anything like that. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're associated with spring and rebirth because of the time of the year that they come out. Um, I learned that they're used in the half-scene table setting for the Persian New Year. Um, oh, Oh, cool. Yeah, didn't know anything about that, but that kind of makes sense since they're a spring flower. Uh, per Greek mythology, um, the flower was created by Apollo in commemoration of his lover, Hyacinth, who he accidentally killed. And I'm not really into mythology, but listeners can go into more into detail of that if they would like.
0: Yeah, we like to say, audience, you can Google it.
1: Yeah. yeah, audience, you can Google more about Apollo and his lover Hyacinth. So,
0: but that's where the name comes from, Apollo's lover. I guess so. If yeah. Her name was Hyacinth. Yeah. Hyacinth. What did you say before we started recording about the, the pronunciation of Hyacinth?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my mom, always, I, I always thought she said Hyacinth, like without the T-H, but the T-H is in the word. I didn't even look up this word until, you know, I was an adult. Like, <laughs> oh, what's the name of this flower? Um, so I asked, I called my mom this morning and she's like, I think it's a soft TH. Maybe I just don't really say it because of like my South Jersey accent or something. <laughs> um, so I TH. did have to like, be like, it's not written how I grew up hearing it. So oh, maybe it's, 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 it might be listener error. I don't know.
0: That's, that's interesting. I wonder if, cause I always heard hyacinth, but it is hard to say. Uh, but you're saying when you were a kid, you always heard just hyacinth, and maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's just your family, or maybe that is a New Jersey thing, or maybe maybe there's other places where they say that way. I, I don't,
1: don't know, know. or yeah. maybe it's just my hearing. Yeah, it's also just a, <laughs> it
0: is also difficult to say that those those a trailing th is better said softly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: um, and that the the one that I I guess we've seen our gardens is the hyacinth orientalis, which is the common hyacinth. And it's not the same as a grape hyacinth. So that's a separate um, grape flower. It's oh, not the same plant.
0: I see, interesting.
1: So to- to- totally, totally different.
0: Totally different. Uh, yeah, yeah. S- same common name or related common name, but they're completely different yeah. plants or genuses or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, and then they get planted in mid to late fall. And according to longfieldgardens.com, they look best in groupings of five to nine bulbs. I also learned That's that... a
0: very specific number.
1: <laughs> well, in
0: only groups. In, yeah, only, only in odd numbers.
1: Well, I guess when you're walking by, you don't usually just see one. That's
0: true. But you like, see why like not seven? <laughs> or 12. <laughs> five to nine is very specific. But, you know, I mean, long, what is the website? Long... Long Longfield garden. Gardens. They probably know better than I do, but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right?
1: I mean, I've never planted them. Yeah. Sometimes I've contemplating buying them when I see them in the store, mm-hmm. but I'm a plant killer person. Mm. So, I don't.
0: They are cool though. Like, I mean, I I have them in my yard. We bought our house about 4 years ago now, and whoever lived there before us or even maybe before that person planted them and they come up every year. I don't yeah. have to do anything. And they, and they start to spread. Same thing. We have daffodils and hyacinths that come up at the same time. Yeah. And every year there's a few more in a few different places. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. You can also Google about how they spread. Yeah. And um, so I also learned that hyacinth is the common name for approximately 30 perennial flowers and that March 7th is World Hyacinth Day.
0: Oh, wow. That's a good time for it. It is. Yeah.
1: Even though there are more of April bloomers around May.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's
1: still kind of cold in March yeah. around here. It's more like crocus time. Or yeah, something. yeah,
0: that's true. It reminds me of we had a we had a special spring episode of the podcast a while back that was just talking about spring and plants in general, mm-hmm. and we're talking about how it's so cool some of these plants where there's kind of this whole garden under the earth. Uh, my friend Anwesha said this spe- specifically. There's this whole garden that's just kind of like waiting to show itself and you can yeah. imagine what the world is like underneath the ground that you know those plants are alive and doing stuff yeah they're not doing much all winter but they're still there and it's just waiting to pop up so cool it is yeah. it's really cool
1: i haven't really thought that much about uh perennial flowers until this yeah so. <laughs> learning some things and it's
0: such a cool thing i think what well, that the bulb is really fascinating too right because that's, like, a method of storing energy for for the winter. Yeah. And so the whole, like, that whole perennial thing of where it's perennial, but it, you can't see it for, like, a good chunk of the year, right? Yeah. It's still alive. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, like, a lot of bushes and trees. Those are perennials, but you see them all the time. But a perennial flower is, like, it's here, and it looks like it's dead, but it's, no, it's really just chilling underground.
1: Yeah. And it's only around for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and, and then it has, like, this, like, leafy time as well, right, where it's yeah. just the leaves, and that's... Yeah, such a cool process. Like, I, I, I think I said it in that episode, too. Wouldn't what, okay. it be weird if, like, humans were like that? If, like, like for, like, only for, like, spring we were here, and then, like, the rest of the year we were just, like, like feet or something? <laughs> 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 and it's very strange.
1: Well, some people are more socially active during certain that's times true. of year. Yeah, that's so true. So some people are kind of like perennial flowers. That's true.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, do you have any other fun facts or dazzling details about the hyacinths to share? No. That's, this is what I found <laughs> that's cool.
1: on the internet before this. Wonderful. Before this.
0: <laughs> well, that's, well, that's how it goes. What are they doing in the highest house?
1: What are they doing in the Hyacinth house?
0: Well, well, thank you for sharing about the hyacinth uh, today. Do you mind if I share a plant with you?
1: Sure. I'm excited to learn about your plant.
0: So I'm going to get pretty simple okay. here. Um, but it actually is related to kind of a something about me that not a lot of people know. In some cases, it's maybe you could say it's a secret about me. Not to everybody, but some people know. And it's related to a plant. A um, little bit of suspense. Ooh. Um, I need a. But my plant today is the apple. Huh? And the reason I chose it, there's a couple reasons. One, I like apples. But two, Great. I used to work at the Apple store. And that is a thing that a lot of people don't know about me. And I specifically have kept that secret to some groups. Because when people learn that about you, and now the whole audience knows about it, of the podcast, people want your help with computers a lot. <laughs> so, like, it's something that I've, like, it was a fun time. I, I, like, I worked there for about two years. I was a, I was a, not a genius. But like I said, I was a sub-genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, they, they called the position back then family room specialist which didn't mean anything but it basically meant I dealt with phones and not computers mm. um, and it was a fun time I still have friends uh, from there and it was a cool place to work but yeah when people find out you used to work particularly in the tech support part of Apple oh. then people really want it so uh, audience don't use this as an excuse to ask me for uh, um, Computer help.
1: Well, Uh, I'm an Android slash PC person. Okay, all right, well, then, no problem. (laughs) Uh,
0: Ryan is raising his hand over there as he's an Apple person. Yes, if you have Apple questions, I think I've already done tech support for you, actually, which that ends up happening, uh, uh, even though I haven't told people I work there because I am an Apple nerd and people tend to ask me questions anyway. But yeah, it's, it's funny because. Uh, well, when you work at Apple, people, people who work there call it the fruit stand, of like working at the fruit stand, which is funny, because um, they also often don't like to tell, you know, like say it out loud or like you're on the street, you don't want people to, to like know you work at Apple because people like will bug you about discounts and stuff. So yeah, just saying, oh yeah, working at the fruit stand. Um, I had a look up today though. I realized I never knew why it's called Apple the company. And apparently it's Steve Jobs who founded the company along with Steve Wozniak. I'm also Steve, so... You know, that's cool. Uh, but Steve Steve Jobs had just come back from some kind of apple orchard. And he said, why don't we call the company Apple? It sounds fun. Oh. But then apparently Steve Wozniak, Steve Wozniak was like, it was actually some kind of weird commune because Steve Jobs is kind of into like hippie stuff. So it was an apple orchard, but I think it was like an apple orchard, like hippie commune. Mm. But that's why it's called Apple. And it's, it's, I think it's a good name for computers. I like It's like, yeah. Anyway.
1: Thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was always kind of wondering why it was named after a fruit and a little symbol. With, like the, It's yeah. like it's eaten out of.
0: Um, but going going more to like fun facts but also like I do like apples also um, I do I'm a beekeeper Ooh. I make a lot of mead I've made some apple mead so honey and, and apples but that's made me really interested in, in making my own apple cider which I'm going to try for the first time this year I think so that's Ooh. another reason why apples are important to me I'll get into cider a little bit later but we're going to take a little pause here because there's a weird background noise one sec so I'm going to make some cider this year for the first time, which is you know another reason why apple is uh, uh, interesting and meaningful to me, but I'll get back to the cider a little bit later. Just a few of the basic facts about apple. First thing, I love the um, Latin names of things or the scientific names. So apple is Malus Domestica, um, and then that it was uh, originally from Central Asia, and the wild version is called, I think, Malus Silvestri. I didn't write it down properly, but that means like wild apple. So it's one of those ones that the domesticated one has become its own genus separate from the wild thing because it's been domesticated for so long. Um,
1: Yes, long time.
0: Yeah. So I'm not gonna get into too many more apple facts because uh, there's a ton to know about apple, but one of the most interesting things about apple to me is that, uh, and this is true for a lot of fruits, is that apples are not what is called true to seed. And that means if you take an apple that you buy at the store and you plant the seeds from that apple, you're not gonna get the same variety that you got. Oh, wow. So like a granny smith apple, if you if you plant the seeds from a granny smith, every single tree that comes from that apple will be a different new variety that has never existed before. Oh. And that means the majority of those apples, though, will be probably inedible. Like the chances of having, a, like most times apples that are wild, they'll either be really tiny or really hard or really mealy or not sweet or sour or bitter. Um, so there's been this process over ages and ages and ages to to get, basically it's kind of like a lottery. You plant apple seeds and hope you get a good one. And then once you have a good one, you propagate that through grafting. So yeah, grafting is this process where you, you take the uh, the branch of an already grown tree and you graft it onto another tree, you like merge it together. And so basically you can propagate the same variety by grafting branches from that variety onto other rootstock or other like uh, stock of, of the same plant. So. That's how we, you can keep propagating like Granny Smith's or other apples, because you can't do it through seed. It's actually impossible to get the same variety via seed as it is. And that's because most fruit trees like that are, are cross-pollinating. They need pollen from another tree to, to get them. And just like humans, just like when, when a human has a child, it does not look exactly like them, and it does not have all the same properties as them. It's a quite a different living thing. There are some tree fruits, I think, like peaches. Um, and maybe cherries that that can be self-pollinated, and so they do basically make clones of themselves, and so they are true to seed. And there's some other plants, I can't think of a good one, any, now that even though each uh, new tree is a different variety, the fruits that it creates are similar enough that you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. But apple is one where you will get, it's just very random, and literally you could have, you've planted all the seeds, you would get like a... Uh, every single plant would be different and probably the majority would be inedible which that brings me to a fascinating piece of history about a guy named john chapman yeah johnny Appleseed. there you go and uh he was a guy who he you know the the myth is that he just spread apple seeds everywhere where he went but what he really did apparently was um start apple nurseries all over the country and then leave those nurseries in the um Care of people who had settled in those areas, and then they would sell the seed, the, the you know the seedlings to spread apples around. But what uh, what that means is, and this was this was some, um, I guess, theorized. I don't know if it's one hundred percent locked down, but theorized uh, in the book, The Botany of Desire, by Michael Pollan, that because he was planting seeds, that means that Johnny Appleseed was not interested in eating apples. He was interested in making apple cider. Ah. Uh-huh. Or maybe even Applejack, which those are two alcoholic beverages which are pretty fun. And I, like I said, I'm gonna to try to make cider for the first time this year. Um,
1: oh, so you mean the alcoholic, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no. the kind that it, you just like buy in the refrigerated yeah, section of the yeah, store. Yeah, in
0: fact, apples, the word apple cider, I think it's really not only an American thing that cider is ever meant to be unalcoholic. I think the word in general means, means alcoholic. And for some reason, we started calling the, the fresh pressed apple juice cider. But really, both both are good. Yeah, they they both are good. Um, in fact, the the word cider comes from well, I missed I missed uh, I misspelled it in my notes here. Yeah, apparently, the word either comes from Hebrew or Greek. It's either I think shikara or or sigera. I, I miss audience, look it up because my autocorrect messed it up in my notes. But it's a word that means strong drink oh. in either Hebrew or or um, or Greek. There's like, similar words, um, so that's where it comes from. So that process of making cider, yeah, you don't need apples that are edible because they can be mealy, they can be small, they can be sour. All those things you, all you need to make cider is you need the juice which has the sugar in it because you need the sugar that can ferment into alcohol. So you can plant the seeds if all you care about is making cider, and cider is a is a good thing to like have if you're like, you know, in a frontier scenario because people like to drink alcohol. It, it helps, yeah. but it's also good to, for like hydration. It's it's good where you may don't have a really solid water source, and it's a, and it's something that once you make it, it lasts a long time, so you can yeah. store it. Um, and it's got it's got vitamins and minerals in it too, you know. So it's 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 a it's a it's a beneficial thing in more than just its alcohol form. Um, yeah. So so that makes sense of why you would want to spread it that way, and you could also probably use it for other cooking things and not But you know, you're not going to most apples that Johnny Appleseed planted are probably not the kind you're going to take a big bite out of. Uh, you know, and, or give to your teacher or something, which is a weird, <laughs> just a weird trope of.
1: Um. <laughs> the teacher thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, where, where did that start? I don't um, know. Uh,
0: uh, so, the, so, the process of making cider, which I'm going to try this year, is very simple. This is what I love about the fermented stuff, is all you really need to make alcohol is something that has sugar in it and the right strain of yeast. And then it just happens. So my plan this year is my friend is actually going to go to this Apple Festival soon and have him bring me back a, a jug of fresh cider. And then I have a yeast starter from my mead, I'm just going to put it in there, see what happens. So that's going to be fun.
1: Awesome. I hope yeah. it turns out great. Yeah. I also like how we went from a spring plant to a fall plant, so we're hitting opposite sides of the year.
0: True. True. Yeah. Because apples are such a symbol of fall. That's they true. are. Yeah. That's true.
1: They're even a symbolic food. Um, for the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Oh really, I
0: didn't know that. What is the what is the significance there? Or how is apple consumed in that um, culture? You
1: have it with honey, and it symbolizes a sweet new year.
0: Awesome, that's cool. I did not know that. I, I like apples and I like honey, so that's, that's awesome. So then the last little thing to talk about alcohol-wise, which I think I'm gonna try this year, making cider is easy. That's basically apple wine, right? A, a wine is a fruit juice that is fermented. So grape is, is, is wine, cider is apple wine, honey, uh, or mead is honey wine. It's a, that's the process is basically you have a sweet liquid, you add yeast to it, you get a, a drink. To get other kinds of alcoholic drinks, particularly spirits, you take something like a wine and you distill it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, uh, distillation is illegal in the United States unless you have like, a really hard to get license. Like, you can't, audience, legally distill your own home cider uh, however there is a loophole and that is a beverage called apple jack
1: mm, referenced and, earlier
0: yes indeed and apple jack is a process so so to think about how this works and, and my wife is a chemist so i have a little bit of this chemistry background but if you the way that distillation works is you take this thing that has got a lot of water and a lot of alcohol less alcohol though mostly water you know uh, apple cider or wine is mostly water it's got a little bit of alcohol, you know, you know up, up to 14% or whatever, depending on the, the variety mm. and other stuff in it. And what you're trying to do when you distill something is get rid of the water and keep the alcohol. Mm. And so when you distill something, it, it exploits the fact that alcohol boils faster than water. Yes. So if you put it under a heat source and have some way to trap the, the alcohol steam coming off and you keep it low enough where you're not boiling a lot of water too, you're gonna get some water, that's what, no alcohol is ever pure, you get some water too. You end up concentrating the alcohol in that process. So if you wanna make something that is stronger alcohol, you need to figure out a way to concentrate the alcohol, and that's what distilling is, but that is something you cannot legally do in the United States unless you have a federal license. However, the loophole with Applejack is that water freezes at a higher temperature than alcohol. So alcohol takes a colder temperature to freeze.
1: Which is why people put it in their freezer.
0: Yes, right, you can't freeze, you know, if you put alcohol, if you put a hard bottle of vodka in your freezer, it won't freeze, right? So that trick is, is you can, and this is what people did back in the Johnny Appleseed days, is you leave your bucket of cider outside in the winter, and then you check on it periodically, and the top layer will form ice first, because also water is less dense when it's frozen, so it floats to the top. And so basically you just keep scraping off the ice, and discarding it, and you get a more concentrated alcoholic beverage. I've never done this before, this is all theory. Um, you can't get it as high of alcohol percentage that way as distilling, but so, you know, you can get, distilling, you can get up to like 100% if you wanted to. I think with Applejack, you can get into the 20s or 30s, maybe, and you can do this with wine too, I guess, or anything like this, it's called, there's another, it's called, I think, freeze distilling is sometimes what they call it, or, or uh, fractional crystallization, I think it's a technical chemistry term. Okay. Um, the one catch is, and I'm going to try this, the one catch is you've got to drink smaller amounts and be a little more careful with it because when you make wine, the yeast makes different kinds of alcohol. We're interested in the ethanol, but there's uh, methanol is also created in, in some cases, the, the yeast is turning things into methanol. Methanol is not really good for you. Ethanol is also not that great for you, but it's not as bad. You can't drink straight, well you can't drink straight ethanol anyway, but methanol is much more toxic to humans. So when you're distilling something, The methanol comes out first, because it has an even uh, lower boiling point. And so that's why you separate something called the heads of the process, and you throw that away. And then you take just the middle part of the distillation, and you actually throw away the end as well. So you're trying to just get as mostly ethanol in the distillation, and you're getting rid of the methanol. The problem is when you make Applejack, there's no way to separate those.
1: Yeah.
0: So they say that if you make Applejack, the chances of hangover are much higher because okay. you might have more methanol in it. You may not want to drink as much applejack as you would say a uh, an apple brandy. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'll poison myself, but um, I'm going to try that this year uh, <laughs> and to make applejack uh, with some cider. So that's that. That's my plan, and that's what I have to say about awesome. the apple. It's tasty. Yes. <laughs>
1: Gal, the prettiest gal I ever saw, I ever saw was sipping cider sip through a straw. It a straw. The prettiest gal I ever saw was sipping cider through a
0: straw. Here's a fun sound that is the sound of the airlock on my. Apple Cider in Progress. Uh, this show has uh, kind of had uh, making alcohol as a theme lately, which uh, probably will continue because it's, it's a hobby that I enjoy and it is always plant-related, but um, this time we're talking about Apple Cider, and I am using an airlock, which is this cool little mechanism uh, it, that is used in winemaking that has a little tube that kind of loops back on itself in an S-shape. And there's space for water in these two chambers and the way it's designed means that co2 can escape but air can't get in and so it's a way that you can you know keep uh your fermented beverage from getting contact with the air which can prevent the fermentation from going bad and the side benefit of an airlock is that it makes this cool blooping sound So this apple cider, like I mentioned in the episode, is uh, from a gallon of fresh apple cider that my friend picked up for me from an apple festival not too far away from here. I poured it into a glass jug. I added a little bit of uh, basically mead from some of my active mead cultures that are going, so that's where the yeast comes from. And then I put the airlock on it, and after about three days, it started bubbling away, and that's a great sign, meaning that the fermentation process has started, and hopefully in some weeks i will have homemade apple cider and that will be really fun as i said alcohol making is kind of a theme in this episode because i love it so if you're the kind of person who likes to drink alcohol i highly recommend trying to make it yourself it is a fun hobby it is a very rewarding hobby and if alcohol is not your thing there's plenty of other ways to enjoy plants uh and their uses and we talk about those too so uh I'm going to try not to talk about too many more alcohol-making experiments just because I've covered it a lot, and I know it's not for everybody, but for me, it's fun, and particularly the audio component of this one is really fun. Let's listen to that again. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Rachel LaBataglia. Rachel is a New Jerseyan based in Annapolis. She loves volunteer work and trivia. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington, who will probably still do Apple tech support for you if you ask nicely. Music by Christian Kriegeskota, fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, find some hyacinths. And give them a deep sniff. Do you like fruit? Is it September? If not, you're out of luck.